0: You're listening to the Tech Life Today podcast, featuring thoughtful stories and diverse personalities of the alumni, students and staff of the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. This is the place to learn and be entertained by people with a passion and a purpose, both inside and outside the classroom. The Tech Life Today podcast is an extension of Tech Life Today, Nate's online magazine. You can find more stories online by visiting techlifetoday.ca or by going to Tech Life Nate on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Liz Pittman. I'm a writer for techlifetoday.ca and the host of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Where does our food come from? In a place like Alberta, many of us might be inclined to say, the grocery store. It's not that we're ignorant of the fact that food originates at farms, but convenience can make that fact easily overlooked. Filling the refrigerator, after all, tends to be a matter of filling a shopping cart and being able to do so year-round with almost any fresh produce we need or simply want. But do we take that supply for granted? Given the effect climate change is having on agriculture locally and around the world, do we need to pay greater attention to our access to food that is, to our state of food security? The answer, even in Alberta, is yes. Canada is among the world's top 10 importers of food. The good thing, however, is that there are ways to make our food systems more resilient. There are simple things that each of us can do and choices that we can make that will strengthen our access to food for years to come. I'm joined by Jocelyn Crocker. At Nate, she's kept busy as chair of the Polytechnic's physics program, Outside of work, she's just as busy as an avid environmental steward. At its simplest, that's obvious, in Jocelyn's commitment to biking to work every week, even in the dead of winter. But she also takes her passion for sustainability much further. Jocelyn was recently named the 2019 Sustainable Citizen of the Year by Sustainable Food Edmonton, a nonprofit organization devoted to urban agriculture. She's also a champion for community gardens, an expert on backyard composting methods, an urban farmer, and the co-founder of Yeg Bees, the group that helped make it legal To keep hives in the city. Jocelyn joins us today to talk about the often overlooked issue of food security and resilience and what we, as consumers, can do about it. Jocelyn, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Now, I understand that you have an award winning edible garden in your front lawn. I do. Can you start us off by describing it for me? Where is this thing? How big is it? And what do you grow in it? Sure. Our home is in Capilano and when we
1: bought it, we hated the look of the lawn and there was a dead birch tree that we cut down and it was an opportunity to do things differently. Mm -hmm. So we hired a permaculture designer named Claudia Boley and she designed us an edible yard and we went through a process where we got rid of our lawn and we planted more than 13 types of fruits and vegetables and now we have apples, pears, plums, several kinds of cherries raspberries strawberries we tried to do blueberries but uh, I've managed to kill more than I have grown (laughs) Um, we also do a lot of vegetables like pumpkins cucumbers beans corn herbs lettuce
0: That's quite a list. Yeah. So what do you do with all of this produce? We eat it. (laughs) Do you do any canning or? Yeah, we
1: we do a process where we eat what we can, we freeze what we can, and then what we, actually I've been saying the word can a whole bunch of times. We we eat what we're able to, (laughs) we freeze other things, and then we also can or make jam uh, to preserve the fruit so that we can eat it year round.
0: Now, obviously, one reason for doing the garden was you didn't love the look of the lawn for your home. But why else did you start doing this?
1: Well, it came partly to taste where when I started living in a basement apartment, the upstairs neighbors were avid gardeners and they gave me a tomato plant. And I tried that tomato plant and I grew it and was just really amazed by it because I didn't have a background in farming or my parents uh, were into xeriscaping. So they have rocks instead of a lawn in Mm -hmm. their yard and trying that first tomato, it blew my mind how good it tasted. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept asking how can we do more of this? And then it became more of an environmental thing where we like the idea of growing what we could to reduce the amount of carbon required to transport our food from its source to our plate. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of created this love for local food and trying to source as much of our diets as we can locally.
0: So Jocelyn, for the purposes of the conversation we're having today, can I get you to please define food security for me?
1: So the, the perspective that I come from it is as a gardener. And so for me, it would be food availability. Mm. So where does it come from? How far does it have to travel? How What is the ecological footprint of the food? But it also, in some ways is not evenly distributed within Edmonton. And so the availability of community gardens, of growing space, of farmers markets, there are gaps in the city where it is hard to find one that is close to your house. Mm-hmm. And so it can also be a food security can be dependent on where you are, where you live. Are you able to have growing space? Do you live in an apartment or do you actually have a yard? There is a a social element to it about being able to afford food where food that comes from a farmer's market is more expensive. And so me just saying go to a farmer's market is not an option for everyone. So there is a, a social element to it. But primarily what I mean is, can it be grown here or where is it sourced?
0: Why is it important to have this sort of mindset in a place like Edmonton where our grocery store shelves seem to overflow with food all the time?
1: Well, if you take a step outside of Edmonton and think about global resources, and if we think about things of growing space or availability of fresh water or even the climate to grow things, the way we live in Canada, we would need three earths to sustain all of us. So our practices here in Canada are very resource intensive and we use a lot more water, we create a lot more garbage, we put out a lot more carbon than other places. And so thinking about how can we do things better? And do we do things perfectly here? The answer is yes, we can do better. And no, we don't do things perfectly here. So just because there is food in the grocery store that you can buy doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best food that you can get. Mm Um, Another reason is climate change is changing things. And so one thing I've noticed as a gardener is that the 30-year average for the last frost, which is when it's safe to start sowing your seeds and putting your seedlings out, has changed. So the third weekend in May was when you would plant now, the 30-year average, which was released not um, that long ago, is Mother's Day weekend. So
0: Holy May moly. 6
1: to 10 is when the, the, fir- the last frost, the average of the last 30 years. Wow. So that changes things. And we know that things are changing. We know that there are changes in precipitation. So last summer, we had a very, very wet summer. Mm-hmm. But some of the predictions that have come out from the city of Edmonton, uh, the predictions for what changes we may anticipate in the next 30 years to come is that we will receive more rain when we don't want it in the spring and the fall, making it difficult to get seedlings started and also difficult to harvest the crops, and then not enough rain when we want to grow them in the summers. So the, the anticipation is that we will actually get more precipitation overall, but not when we need it. And so that raises challenges so that even though we have all this food in our grocery store right now, you have to ask yourself, is that always going to be the way it is?
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about the things you do to improve local food security and that resilience piece as well?
1: One of the... The very important things to realize is that a lot of our diet is based on pollinators. So pollinating the, some of uh, many fruits and some of the vegetables that we eat, but also uh, creating crops that we use to feed other things. So for instance, alfalfa is something that you need to uh, have pollinated by leafcutter bees is is the ideal pollinator for alfalfa crops. And so um, one of the things that I've really been involved with is the urban beekeeping community. And so the idea is that if you increase the number of bees in an area, you increase the capacity to grow food because the more bees there are, the more pollinators you have around. But that's not only that, because pollinators, when you're talking about pollinators in general, the really important ones are the native bees and honeybees are not native. They're actually, they came to North America from the European settlers. So another important piece of the advocacy that I do is talking about native bees and preserving pollinator habitat for those ones as well, not just the honeybees. Um, And so telling, I, I do a lot of bee talks where I encourage people not to use pesticides or herbicides in their yards, where I encourage them to buy from locally sourced food, which are often food production practices that are very bee-friendly in terms of having polycultures instead of monocultures, um, especially organic farms where they're not using any sorts of pesticides or spraying the the ditches to remove the weeds, which is also a source of habitat and food for these native bees. Okay. Um, Other things that I've done is I've done work with the Master Composter Recyclers with the City of Edmonton, which if you are an Edmonton resident, it's something you should absolutely consider doing. It was an amazing program, and I'm so grateful that I was accepted into it. Uh, They offer 40 hours of training, and you have all sorts of neat things that you do. But with that, the idea is trying to find ways to reduce your waste. And so when you talk about food production, there's also the end... The end point is what do you do with the food that you can't use or your food scraps or your peelings from your potatoes. Right. And trying to keep them in your yard from where you have created this waste is much more sustainable practice than it is by allowing them to cart them to the, the waste management facility.
0: Now, um, Edmonton is a winter city. <laughs> it's complete food security even possible? Or is there some balance that we should be trying to strike here? Talking about
1: food security, it's such a complex issue because you've got all sorts of things you can talk about. You can talk about pollinators. You Mm -hmm. can talk about where do you source your food from. You can even start talking about seed patenting. So it's such a a big thing. And if you go to the grocery store, it is impossible to ignore how internationally sourced our food is. Yeah. So talking about local food security... I can offer some solutions, but there isn't going to be one solution. And so especially if you think back to Alberta settler roots, it was the times of feasts and famine where at times there would be tons of produce and tons of food and other times when there wouldn't be obviously in the winter. And so it is too simplistic for me to say source all your food locally because Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to get mangoes or papayas or other things that you might like. But I think from an individual level, something that I have really experienced myself is that making personal choices and taking little steps and then meeting other people who are making those personal choices and other steps and creating these communities of like-minded people um, you can actually create big change from just you deciding to compost or you deciding to grow your own apples in your yard Mm -hmm. so even though we don't eat all of our fruit isn't sourced just from our yard. And it's impossible to do that. I have two children, they go through way too many apples for (laughs) us to feed our whole family at times of the year. We do source all of that food. And I think those little tiny changes can help make Canada or, you know, even smaller looking at just Edmonton um, overall can decrease our ecological footprint, which helps.
0: So Jocelyn, this podcast is coming out in December, not exactly the best time for growing things necessarily in Edmonton. Why is it important to be having this conversation now?
1: Well, most gardeners that I know get their seed catalogs in January. Ooh. And any beekeeper will know that you have to order your bees before March 1st. Okay. And so something about food security is planning. And so thinking in advance, the winter is a great time to start planning out your garden, to wondering what are you going to plant, where are you going to put it, how are you going to take care of it when you go on vacation. And so thinking ahead is now is a great time to, to consider what changes might fit into your life and what things you're at a place where you can try that you haven't done before.
0: Is there something that gives you hope in the face of this issue? Is it the community building or what what are you looking forward to most about this?
1: Well, you know, a good example of how you taking individual choices and then forming communities, which then creates consumer demand, is straws. So straws weren't eliminated by Edmonton businesses until there was really strong demand for it and good re- good rationale. And there was that consumer power where they didn't want it. And so that change gets made. So deciding that you're going to make a change and telling your friend about it and say, hey, why don't you try this? That actually, I think, is where change begins. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't change the world. It's too big for me to think about that way. And the way that I keep hopeful is that I know that I can make changes for myself and I can can tell other people about those changes. And if they want to join me, that's wonderful, because then it's not one person, it's two or more. And I think that that's the way social change will happen.
0: And hopefully we inspire more with the listeners of today's podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, the passion you have for this is really clear. You, this doesn't sound like work for you at all. What is it that you like best about contributing to local food security?
1: I think what drives me is that hope. Hmm. So the, the reason I do many of these things is because I can see value in them and because going to a community garden work party really fills my cup where there are people working together and we're turning the compost and we're looking for powdery mildew and then we have a harvest party and we eat some of the produce that we made. For me, that that is really creates a sense of belonging, a sense of connection, and having that connection with the land and with the food that we make and have that be our common denominator for me that that is um, something that's really powerful and really wonderful, and which is the one of the reasons why I would really recommend anyone join a community garden because it's just such a, a lovely place.
0: Now, we've covered a lot of different things that our listeners can do, steps that they can take. I want, for my final question, I kind of just want to sum it all up in one takeaway. If someone's listening to this today, they're in their car, they're walking to work, and they want to start somehow, what's one step everyone can take to improve food security? Something little, something easy to get themselves started.
1: Um, I don't have one step. I have several. Give them to me. (laughs) Well, one is think about pollinators and what you can do to support them. And so that would be buying local honey. That would be not applying pesticides and herbicides in your yard. That would be putting out pollinator habitat like a bee hotel or a bat box. Um, Another thing is to think about the carbon cost of your food. So when you eat that apple, ask yourself, where does that apple come from? And can you get an apple from closer or to where you mm-hmm. live, because that can decrease the ecological footprint of that food that we all need to eat. Um, Another thing is to think about the waste that you produce and how you can decrease that waste where reusing and reducing is really more important to do than recycling. We've known that the recycling system is breaking down, that the places that used to buy our recyclables are not interested in them them anymore. So there needs to be change. So can you reuse something instead of buying something new? Mm -hmm. Um, And the last thing is to never underestimate the power of community where it really is such a a wonderful way to create change and to find your passion and your connection.
0: Jocelyn, before I let you go, um, how can people find out more about Yegbees?
1: They can look on Facebook.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And how can people find out more about local food in Edmonton?
1: One great resource is Sustainable Food Edmonton. They help people start community gardens, and they also have the Little Green Thumbs program, which helps teachers grow food in classrooms. And so checking them out online
0: and on Facebook is a really
1: great way to find out what they do.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing such valuable insights about food security. Sure, thank you. Thanks again to Jocelyn Crocker for being part of today's episode, and thank you for listening. In the episode show notes, you'll find related Tech Life Today stories, including tips on composting throughout the year, identifying edible weeds, how to keep your container garden from drying out, and more. The Tech Life Today podcast is an extension of Nate's online magazine, Tech Life Today. You can find more stories online by visiting techlifetoday.ca or by going to Tech Life Nate on Facebook and Twitter. If you have feedback you'd like to share about the podcast, please email techlife at nate.ca. Thanks so much for listening. We can't wait to share more Nate stories with you.